to say, yes, sir. And then the Bible goes on to say, eh, hey, if you are obedient, you are calling the Bible, Alaba Shake Bredo Sokolo. Hey! Hallelujah! Ah, no, let's do this thing. Give me First Peter chapter 3. I feel the anointing to teach this thing.
So the way was the mind, which was the machinery behind the ways. Which ways are the manifestations of that mind? In the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, if you ever read it in your own days, there's a very good argument concerning uh, money. Just some of the first few pages. And this guy is moving on a chariot, and he's got a fat face of money. Then some guys are discussing from afar, and they are saying, if only I can steal that face and have it to myself, I can be rich. This man was so rich, and he was walking with this man in his face. And some guys saw it and they said, if only I could have access to that money, I would be rich. And then this rich man begins to explain, having heard the conversation, that even if you stole the money that I have, you still can't steal my money. The thought is that what I have is not this bunch of money that you are saying with me. But it's the system that creates that money. So, money is a system. A lot of people have never let the system of money. All they want is the end product. You want the end product, you want the money. But you've never let the system that creates money. The system that generates money. There's a system that generates money. There are relationships, there are investments, there's education. There's a lot of things that go in. This is why a lot of times you find that people who won jackpots, in very few months they become broke. I heard of a story of a young man whose parents died and they left him a wealth of property. But guess what he used to do? Sell some of it, buy expensive alcohol, show off, take the guys out. And within a few years, about three, we were seeing him walk on the street and the taxi driver who was taking me was saying, Ah, but you for charging me finished. Don't worry, it's now, yeah. Why? Because he had not learned. The system that recreates that money. And sometimes this is the problem we also have as a nation. We've never learned the systems that God has given us. We've never harnessed them, even at a young age. We've never harnessed the system of creating money. And if we, you want, you are starting your business today and you are rushing for money, you've never learned investment, you've never learned patience. You've never learned the place for mentorship. You want to make it so fast. And so, inadvertently, advertently, you develop what is called the, the love of money, which is the root of all evil. Money itself has no problem. It's the love of it, which is the problem. Somebody once told me, Pastor, for me, I love money. I can have a lot of money. But if there's an opportunity to steal, I'll still steal. <laughs> Even if I have nowhere to put it. You see, money is a very good servant but a bad master. 
ways of money. Are you conceptualizing that? The way of money is a system. One of the richest men, and there was one interview I was watching uh, about Dangote. How many know him? Okay, good. Let's just say he's a very rich guy. <laughs> and uh, the interviewer was so funny, he asked him, how much money do you have right now? He says this pocket, he said there's nothing. Wealth is not defined by what you have momentarily. It's about, uh, it's not about the material that you have, it's about the systems you've created which generate that wealth. But the name you create, the Bible says a good name is better than wealth. It's better than money. At one point, Donald Trump became bankrupt. But because he had, he had grown a name, he was still able to build up. This business knew him. This business had heard of him. This business was interested in his shares. He had nothing, but he still managed to build back. Why? Because he had learned the way of money. Are you listening to me? Uh, it's our conceptualizing making sense. Praise the Lord. In the same way, when we talk about the way of the Spirit and the ways of the Spirit, when we talk about the way of the Spirit, we are talking about the mind of God. Our definition was this when we talk about the way of the Spirit. The way of the Spirit is the unique, distinctive, and singular mind of God behind several and different, many expressions of the ways of God, which ways are demonstrations, displays, or manifestations of the way of God. Maybe I said that one last time. Are you ready to now listen? I can have a two. Look at you, you are so smart, my goodness. I will leave the notes, but just listen to me so that you follow my trail of thought. Don't, don't be too burdened to write. What is the way of the Spirit? The way of the Spirit is the mind of God. Behind several different expressions of that mind. That's the other way. So when we talk about the way of God, we are talking about the mind of God. When we are talking about the ways of God, we are talking about the manifestations of that mind. And remember we read that, um, Moses knew the way of God, right? Remember how we interpreted that scripture? Moses knew the way of God, but then the Israelites knew what? The ways of God. So the way of God was the mind of God. And one time God took Moses aside and began, and began to teach him about himself. Imagine having like a secret lecture with God, just the two of you. Then God starts opening up about himself. No, Moses, I'm a good, I'm a good God. I forgive people's sins. Don't let them lie to you what they do. That's what God was telling you. I am slow to anger, abounding in love. I forgive people their sins to generations. Moses was busy taking notes. So one time when God was angry, remember? He said, I'm going to kill all the Israelites because of their unbelief. And I'm going to make me into a great nation and reproduce you, to make you a mighty man on the earth. And guess what? He is God. So he was very well able to do that. How did he create all of us from one Adam? So even from one Moses, God was able to do it. Praise God. You know, God can strengthen you. Even in your very old age, you can be having children. Me, I thought when I was thinking about Abraham, that after Sarah had died, 
and he was about the hundred and jumped years. Maybe I had a radical bunch. But they can't go without him. He still married a Canadian named Ketura, fathered about how many children? About 12 of them. Don't play with what God can do. Somebody say, I'm still around. I'm still around. So God would have still raised Moses, added more years, and made a great nation out of him. He, that's why we call him God Kaidi. It's within the substance of his personality to do miracles. If he can't, then he ceases to be God. That's why he can walk on water. That's why he can take two loaves and three fish and multiply to feed 5,000 men. Not to count the women and the children. That's what makes it good. And that's why it's going to take you to higher places from this place. You may look like you're not going anywhere. You may look like you're struggling. But if you are serving this God, He's God. Do you know what it means? God. It means He's a supreme being. And He can do supernatural stuff in His sovereignty and His power. Somebody say Amen. Amen. So, when God was telling him, all this was taking notes. So when he said, I'm going to kill all of them, Moses stood in the will of God and said, wait. Imagine a guy who's able to stand in the will of God and tell him, come down. It's in the Bible what I'm telling you, it's not a story. <laughs> Moses sat down and began telling God, if you kill these people, all the worldly people who saw them will say you failed to keep them, that's why you killed them. He was advising God then. I know that's what we don't want to hear, but it's the truth. And then he be why was he able to do that? Because he had, he had access to the way of God. He had access to the mind of God. So he began telling him, look, you are slow to anger. You are abounding in love. You've got a big heart. You are a great God. And guess what God did? That's what intercession means. Intercession means standing in the gap. It means standing in the place of other people and pleading for them. Where they deserve wrath and demonic oppression, they experience favor, mercy, and power. Sometimes you may think evil of our, of our rulers and our statesmen and what we think we are doing wrong. But this is why we are fasting this 18th October, that the Lord may fill them with wisdom, with strength in their inner man, that they may do the will of God and not follow the leading of their flesh. That greater judgment should be before them. See? Why? Because we know the way of God. The Bible says, <laughs> oh, the Bible says, God wills that no man perishes. But that all men come to the knowledge of the truth. So God wants all men to be saved, including the minister you don't like. Praise God. That's why it says, firstly in prayer, we must intercede for those who are in authority. Why? Because he continues to say, God wills that no man perish. There's greater responsibility when you are a man of authority. Because the Bible says there's no authority except that which is given of God. 
leader's heart. And we're standing between God and the leader. We can pacify the two places. Are you listening to me? So just don't be, as a Christian, don't just be there looking forward to removing this government and putting another one. And then removing this one and bringing the one you fired. You have a right to vote for whoever you want. See? But your calling is higher than just the hunger for politics. As a believer, your calling is higher than just politics. I said to me. Why? Because you have the way of God. You know what God wants. I said to me. When you understand people's hearts and minds, there's anything, you take away your rights. There's a minister friend of mine who said he really wanted to celebrate when no woman. But he realized that in his church there are some people who are PNT. So he had to celebrate secretly in his room. And then say nothing about it. That's self-control, that's maturity. There were times when we would write exams and my friends would fail. And I would fail to celebrate because I was encouraging them. Do I have a right to celebrate? Yes. But not everything that is permissible for you is edifiable. That's what Paul says. Is it encouraging other people? When we start talking this, then we are talking maturity. Your friend is complaining of singleness. Then immediately she talks to you, you start flashing your relationship. <laughs> I know, I know it sounds petty, and you've got the right, because I'm telling you things you've got the right to do. But you're not discerning the times to do the right thing. You're doing the right thing at the wrong time. Your friend is crying because they just failed an exam. You start thanking God because God always hears you. And it's true. You could actually have a point. But you're not sensitive to the feelings of others. You are not. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So when we talk about the way of the flesh, and, and see, what I'm about to teach you is very important. When you learn the stuff I'm going to teach you, it will make you an effective Christian. You'll be different. You'll be knowledgeable. You will live, I'm telling you, when you learn what I'm about to start teaching you, you will not have a problem discerning. There's what we call the gift of discerning the spirits. Verse what to First Corinthians chapter number uh, 12 is 10, but there's also what we call the fruit of discernment. There's a difference between the gift of the discernings of spirits and the fruit of discernment. Somebody said discernings of spirits. Discerning of spirits. And the fruit of discernment. There's a difference between those two. When we talk about the gift of discerning of spirits, it's not the gift of discerning of evil spirits. No. Some, some people will say, when you have this gift, you'll be seeing demons and witches. No, it's not true. It's not discerning of evil spirits or witches. It's discerning of spirits, meaning the larger umbrella. I have functioned in this gift before, and I do. It means it comes from the word to see. Meaning you can see angels. You can see demons. You can discern the hearts of men. You can know the work of the spirit. You can know the work of the flesh. The Holy Spirit enables you to see stuff that a normal human being may not necessarily be able to see. It's an enablement of the spirit. That's it's a gift. Are you listening to me? 
So it's not just saying wrong stuff and judging people. No. It's discerning those spirits. Are you listening to me? And this is the stuff I'm teaching in this discipleship and uh, ministry training. Because I will teach you how to preach, how to know how to talk in what audience. So, you are missing these meetings at your own peril. Discernment as a fruit is something that comes by maturity. Because the Bible says, I believe in Hebrews 5 or 4, it says, uh, but strong meat is for those who are mature, who by reason of exercise and use of their senses have reached a place where they can discriminate and discern between good and evil. This comes by exposure to the word of God. You feed on the word of God. You consistently feed on the word of God. And the word of God is a person. The word of God behaves like a person. It begins functioning in you. Like, like a coding. It begins functioning in you like a program. It changes your thought pattern. You judge things by the word of God. You judge things by the spirit of God. That's what the word of God does. So when you learn the stuff I'm, learning, I'm, I'm giving you, you will grow in your fruit of discernment. If I were you, I would say amen. Amen. I think this is very good. So this is, these are powerful things I'm about to give you. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Um, but before I give you what the definition of the flesh is, because it could be slightly complex, uh, what is the way of the flesh? We are going to look at what is the flesh. Look at me. When people say the, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, what do they mean? When people say I'm walking in the flesh, I don't know if anybody ever says, he said we are walking in the flesh. <laughs> what does it mean? Okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sometimes you think people know. But you have to understand this. So I'm going to give you um, a few definitions of the flesh. Number one will come from Romans chapter number 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed me from the law of sin and death. Verse 8, we are getting, verse 3, we are getting there of Romans 8, I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, For God has done what the law could not do. Its power being weakened by the flesh. And then he defines the flesh as number one, you can write this down. What is the flesh? The entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit. That is the flesh. The entirety of the nature of the human being without the Holy Spirit. That's the flesh. This one includes both bad things and good things. Remember when I taught you about three, four different kinds of wisdom? I told you about the wisdom of the world. And the wisdom of the world is not entirely evil. For example, the wisdom of education being the key to success. People will tell you that you need to be educated in order to be successful. But it's not everybody who is educated who is a success. 
It's good wisdom. It helps you, and it's important for you to get educated. But it fails. Are you listening to me? Yeah. People are told, you have to bath for a man to find me. But you find your sister, her name is Bathness from Japan. <laughs> she baths. But still, she's still believing the Lord for a while. Then there are people who are educated, but they just never seem to find a job. Somehow. Very educated. I was watching the documentary of a young man. I told you last time, right? So, when we talk about the entirety of humanity without the Holy Spirit, it involves both good and bad. As long as the Holy Spirit is not involved, it's in the flesh. He says, though we walk in the flesh, meaning there's a human side of us, we walk in the flesh. That's not the bad flesh. Meaning in this physical body, in this physical world, it's the world of the flesh. I listen to me. Then he says, we don't war according to the flesh. Meaning there is a war, but it's not a war of flesh and blood, of ammunition, of arsenal, of echo for the sevens, sevens and pistols, of knives and words. No, 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 no. It's in the wrong we do not see. So the entirety of human nature without the Holy Spirit is the flesh, number one. You can write that down. Definitions of the flesh. How many have their notepad? Please don't sleep. Please, 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 please. I don't want to grow weak Christians who don't understand spiritual things. Why? Because I was feeling dozy on that day. I'm not here to develop church members. I'm here to develop disciples. I'm not here to bring fans into Christ. I'm here to bring disciples. That's my mandate. So if you're not disciplined enough to either record or to write notes, <laughs> so please don't just watch me. Uh, especially those who come here. They are the ones I'm talking about. Those who've been with me for a while. So those who got not writing pads and stuff, let me see your hands. Okay, that's probably around 90%. I'm happy to be. Last time I diverted, started teaching a whole teaching, I'm not taking notes. So you've saved me that today. Praise God. Alright. Okay. Number two, Galatians chapter number five, verse twenty-four. He says, "All those who belong to Christ Jesus the Messiah have crucified the flesh. All those who belong to Christ Jesus the Messiah have done what? To crucify is not just to put on the cross; it means to kill. Because when everybody was crucified, they died. Even Jesus died." So when we hear crucifixion, we are talking about death. Are you listening to me? Okay. So it says, all those who belong to Christ Jesus have killed the flesh. So it defines the flesh as the godless human nature. So definition number two, godless human nature. That's the flesh. The godless human nature. Put in brackets, sinful nature. Godless human nature. 
believer in the Lord of Jesus does not have a sinful nature. Did you see the scripture which I read to you? He says, in verse 3 of Romans 8, listen to me, listen to me, listen good, I'm reading Romans 8 verse 3 from the Amplified. It says, for God has done what the law could not do. Its power being weakened by the flesh is the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit. Sending his own son in the guise of flesh as an offering for sin. God condemned sin in the flesh. He subdued, overcame, and deprived it of its power over all who accept the sacrifice of Jesus. How can you still have a sinful nature with this scripture? So, listen to me. Christians don't have the sinful nature when they receive the Lord Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, He made he who knew no sin to become sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God. Is that too hard for us to understand? Somebody will say, why then do we still have Christians who sin? I'll tell you. This is exactly what we are dealing with. It's exactly what we are dealing with. Because it's not what Jesus Christ does. The Bible says this is the Lamb of God who does what? Reduces the sins of... No, wait. What does it do? Regulates the sins of the world. Why do we reject the things that are in the Bible? That's religion. Religion would rather die than accept the truth. You'd rather die and be crucified. <laughs> but it's the truth. You see, I'll explain to you. Righteousness is a gift. It's a nature. The same way sin is a gift and a nature. Listen to this. I, I told you that people do not sin because they committed a sin. People commit sins because they are sinners in the first place. Let me repeat that. People do not sin or people do not become sinners because they committed a sin. It's because they are sinners. That's why they commit sin. In the first place, that's what you understand. Why? Because it comes from their nature. You don't say this is a mango tree, that's why it has produced mango fruits. I mean, you don't say, yeah, because it has produced mango fruits. It is a mango, it has produced mango fruits because it's a mango tree. Are you seeing the difference there? Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. This is, this is why I'm saying righteousness is the nature which is imputed to you when you believe on the Lord Jesus. It's not what you do. There are wicked things who do good things in this world. Does it make them righteous? Righteousness is not a work. It's a gift, number one. You don't work for... No, let me just clear a few things on my plate and I'll become a Christian. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You receive the gift of righteousness.
righteousness which empowers you to do right things. Okay. You can bark all you like, doesn't make you a dog. You can stand on the street, woo, woo, woo. People will just be wondering. Why? Because darkness is in nature. No matter how much parrots will speak, you'll never be a human. I listen to those thought patterns. I'm trying to tell you that righteousness is in nature, the way sin is in nature. You didn't have to apply for you to be a sinner. Carrying you one of the teachers who I am complaining. Masina's committee of the government, but they didn't show my paper. Okay, Mia Kashafula, he went to the Quarter of Lamu Lamsana, JK. Anyway, sin license, Bob Bay. You didn't have to apply to be a sinner, it was already done for you by Adam. You just had to be born into the thing. Are you listening to me? You need to understand these things. Whoever will be born of me, they will have no choice but to be a Kaira. And bear all the mistakes on my NRC, whether people be calling, calling them Kaira or Kaira. They will have to be that. Why? They didn't have to apply, they just have to be born. So people don't, don't become sinners because they've committed a sin. It's because they are sinners in the first place, that's why they commit sins. Is it now making pure sense? Yes. In the same way, a sinner who does righteous things does not become righteous until he receives the gift of righteousness. Until we change that programming, that algorithm, when we change it, according to Ezekiel 36, 36, he says, I will remove the heart of stone, that heart of sin. I says, I will remove it. Then I will put in you a heart of flesh. That means a heart which is soft, which can be moved, which is obedient and responsive to the word and heart of God. Then he says, apart from that, I will put my spirit within you. That means we've changed your nature. If we remove your spirit, if we remove his spirit, <laughs> and we put the spirit of here in him, <laughs> Of badness. We put the spirit of badness in him. He wake up in the morning. Hormones have changed. The mind has changed. Suddenly, he will want to start putting lipstick. <laughs> That's what God is saying. He says he will remove the heart of Remy, for example, for a man and put a whole new thing. That's when righteousness comes to you. Are you listening to me? It's a gift. But then the problem is this. If he becomes a woman, we have to train him how to walk as a woman. Why? Because chances could be that he's still thinking like a man. We can change his hormones. He can even start developing breasts and hips. But ask them, there's still a man inside. Because the mind is something different. So it means girls have to take him and say, ah, you don't go like this as a girl. 
Then they tell you, no, these are not the shoes you wear. Why? Because you now have to begin changing his way, his mind, to remove the mind of the flesh. Even when people are born again, the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. All things are new. All things about him are new. Even if he was a murderer last night, this morning, he's the most righteous man. And you see, righteousness, there's no one who's more righteous than the other. So you'll find even though you've been him into a woman, the champ, the champ should once in a while, why? Because as a man inside. Then give the girl to say, no, we don't do this. Are you listening to me? When I say, I can't move your wife so. Why? Because in the mind is still a man. Are you listening to me? Yes. Although I hear there are girls who are crazy <laughs> when it comes to the table. <laughs> no, I've uh, experienced it. <laughs> so let me not pretend. Praise God. Beware, gentlemen, that's what they say. No, I don't see the right hits in that man. It just hits written. Three months into the relationship. Why should I put the best you Why? Because I'm in constant fellowship with God. 
in grade 12 learning about the laws of physics. God is teaching me how the word of God also works. So for me, I don't have that life at school, then have Jesus. For me, life is intertwined. God can talk to you anywhere. God can talk to you when you are sleeping. God can talk to you. Even in the toilet, you hear the word of the Lord. Yeah. You think he remains outside the door? Yeah, then what does the Bible mean when it says, everything that was done in secret, you can't even have a you think it remains outside when you're going in the club? How you need to find them with Jesus? Yes, I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to Maybe you'll be more afraid. 
And I'm sure you know our pregnancy policy in this church. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let me give you another definition. Are you ready? First yeah. Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. Very important definition.
then he defines the flesh as under the control of ordinary impulses. Write that down. The flesh means being under the control of ordinary impulses. That's the flesh. Being under the control of ordinary impulses. Can we have Sunday school people who can't get into the chapel? Uh, you can help our sister. Why 
you are late. They just join the road. They don't even know you. They don't even care. <laughs> you lack patience. Everyone on the road is wrong except you. I remember one time with my father. Uh, he gave me to drive. Because I bothered him. So he fitted the car for me. I said, yes, I'm getting it. So I was driving. Now, I didn't see a hump in front. <laughs> Could you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is why I want you to drive. This thing costs money. What's my word? I said, sir, I'm sorry. No, even come out from the drive. Ah, the man was happy. No, I just humbled myself. Took the other seat. We were coming back now. The way my father drives, you have to always advise him. No, look ahead. Because when he's talking, so you see what the road did? <laughs>
<laughs> and he feels like ministering Chambeshi water. Will you look at who's there? If you don't know Chambeshi water, just follow my example. <laughs> you understand. You just right there, just start shooting. He's two years old, he doesn't care. <laughs> he lacks self-control. But you, are you going to do that? Where, when you see a, a, someone 
under the control of ordinary impulses. Because I can't walk anymore, I'm busy anymore. Face your mood, we. Then you invite a bunch of friends. I listen under the control of ordinary impulses. Because somebody has humiliated you once, ah! they want a piece of my mind. Then you give them a piece of with Jesus in your heart. You give them under the control of ordinary impulses. What Do you 
He says he did not walk into this world to condemn everyone, but that through him, everyone will be saved. Meaning the assignment of Jesus was to save lives at all costs. That's why when you quote him Isaiah, he, he ends somewhere. Isaiah said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news. And he says everything. Then he says to bring the day of judgment. But Jesus did not quote that scripture. He ended on to declare the favors of the Lord. He didn't quote judgment. Why? Assignment. You will know how far you can go and how far you can't go when you understand what God has asked you. Don't force us to do things we're just sticking to our lane. Why should I stand in judgment of another man's assignment? Jesus said, a greater than Solomon is here. Yet, he stood before a man and said, I don't have even where to put my head. Why didn't Jesus Christ become as rich as Solomon or richer than him? Because he said he was greater than him. Assignment. Jesus had such capacity that he would command money to come out of fish. It means he could take food, stones into bread. It means he could stand like this and make money from all this field. But Aikata, he was not under the control of ordinary impulses. Imagining the presence of a legion of angels. You are crucified and looking weak in front of everybody. You performed miracles in their presence. You can see all these angels. And your disciples are surprised. Because weak human beings are able to capture you and drag you. They were shocked. Peter was in shock. That's why he ran away. Because they thought Jesus Christ was joking when he said, The time is coming. When you won't even say anything, you even deny me. Peter was like, ah, even when I raise Christ return and they'll flame. Shimanama Banza and Katana. Shakamishe. Yes, I'll share a great film. Why? Because they thought obviously when they cut Jesus, they'll just do qua, then they'll fall. No, he was just there, being beaten and being mocked. Even on the cross, they mocked him and said, he was so shame. They were shocked. Why? Assignment. Even though they were legions of angels, in fact, in the garden of Gethsemane, when they said, Who is he? He said, I am. The Bible says they all fell. Meaning he still wielded power even in that moment, but he decided not to exercise it. Somebody said, I've got this, I've got the fruit of self control. Hallelujah.
It's a flesh. But then there's also, you move from having them to giving them a room to grow. You're not starving them. You're, you're catering. You're, the appetites are growing. If it's watching strange things, you have too many sites on your phone. You've got too much access to the TV. You don't even have objective friendships. But many friendships, let's go and lie and say we didn't have money. The other one says, yes, woman of God, you are smart. Your friendship is not objective. A good objective friendship corrects itself without taking offense. If you have a friendship which gives you a different perspective, and when you give your friend a different perspective, and immediately they get offended, it's immature. <laughs> Even a relationship. The moment you disagree with your bed, you should have to make a message your day, to have a dinner away, but after two days, you have to give me a text message at it. Hi. You should have to make a baby. You have to make Come on.